Welcome to the My Joyful Journeys podcast, episode two. I'm Tara Freeman. So as I mentioned before, I have a chronic incurable pain disorder called trigeminal neuralgia. But, you know, having an invisible disease has its benefits. No one can see how miserable you feel. You can just kind of blend in and give the appearance of having a normal life. Um, When I was first diagnosed with my trigeminal neuralgia, I'd been suffering for a few years, but it hadn't, it wasn't as bad, like, but I couldn't find a diagnosis. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And I was finally diagnosed about nine years ago. And, um, I just determined I was going to always like shower, put myself together, get my makeup on and fix my hair and, um, wear cute clothes and jewelry and try to look as normal as I possibly could and try to act as normal as I possibly could. I did most of the time wear makeup every day. Um, but there was a time period where I had six surgeries in two years. What I had two carpal tunnel surgeries, a microvascular decompression brain surgery, two hernia surgeries, and a hysterectomy. And I did a lot of recovering during that time. And I have to say, honestly, I did not wear makeup very often. And I wore a lot of lounge wear, a lot of PJs, because I was like, I am, I am not doing anything. I showered and that was it. Like I, that was the most I could do. But for most of the last nine years, I have always tried to make myself presentable and put makeup on and try to be as normal ish as possible. Right. Um, cause I feel like if you do make that effort, like makeup hides a million things, like it can hide a lot. Um, and you can blend better and you just feel better when you kind of put yourself together like that instead of when I've not made that effort, I can definitely tell a difference in how I feel. Um, and it helps you just kind of fake your way through through your life and feel like you are like you look like everybody else so you're not ask, having a lot of questions and i i hate that um so anyway um having an invisible disease can also be a curse because sometimes people will expect a lot more out of you than what you're actually able to, to give because like you look like they do, you look normal. So you must be functioning normally, right? Is how they feel. So this spring I had the experience of, uh, well, my daughter decided she wanted to do soccer and she's 10 years old. And this team was really, needing a coach badly. Like it was pretty rough. So they were desperate and asking all parents if they would do it. And I got the feeling from the lady that was kind of over this, she and her husband coached one of the teams and they were desperately trying to find somebody that could coach our team. I got the feeling she was trying to imply that I should do this. 
So I was like, well, I just finished six weeks of physical therapy on my knees and I'm finally able to, um, you know, see a lot of good progress from that. And I can't be running up and down an uneven, you know, field with practice and that kind of stuff with kids. I just, it wouldn't be good for my knees. And I also have a um, chronic pain condition and cold wind really flares it up badly. And it had, it was such a windy, cold, stormy, miserable spring. So I was like, yeah, I just, I can't do it. And she was like, well, my husband hurt his back and he's coaching. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So she doesn't get it. She's not going to understand. <laughs> like there's probably nothing I could say that would get her to understand. Um, but for me, like I have to be really careful ab about how I, you know, live my life and the choices that I make about, you know, how I spend my time because, um, it can really affect how I can function in my life. If I have a bad flare, then I can be out, you know, for hours, minutes, days, whatever. You just never know. And, um, like I want to be able to be the best mom that I can be and the best wife I can be first and foremost. I need to be the best employee I can be, that kind of thing. And I just have to be really careful about what I do. And, you know, there are times when I have to be more careful. Um, there's this story that um, people with chronic illnesses refer to a lot that um, it's called the spoon theory. And it's by Christine Miserandino. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Um, but basically, it's a woman trying to explain to her best friend what it's like to have lupus and how to, you know, what it's like to have to deal with a chronic illness. And she had her hold like 12 spoons. And then she talked about how she'd spend her day and how, um, like, for every task that she needed to do, she would have to, it would cost her a spoon. So like showering, getting her hair, you know, washing her hair, making her breakfast so she could take her medicine, you know, doing the different things. She would have to, to give up a spoon for that. And once her spoons were gone, she was out, she was done. She couldn't give any more for that day. And so she had to be really, really careful about how she spent those spoons. And like at the end of the day, she would only have, you know, a certain number of spoons left and she could either choose to like, say she had one spoon left. She could either go have fun with her friends, clean the house, um, you know, cook herself dinner. There, there were these different, you know, scenarios she gave, but she couldn't do it all because she didn't have enough spoons left to do it. And, you know, she also talked about how sometimes you, do things and it causes a flare up and then you use all your spoons before the end of the day and you're, you know, kind of, um, you don't have as it affects then your next few days or something. And that is a good way to look at, at people with any kind of like chronic 
problems. For me, a lot of times, like right now, I've been doing so great. And I'll share in a different podcast episode um, what has happened recently that has helped me tremendously. Um, I This last year has been way hard, like such a hard year for me. And um, I definitely had to be so careful about how many spoons, like how I spent my spoons and stuff. And it, I really, really struggled. And um, the, like, having her ask me if I would do the soccer thing, I just was like, there's no way. Like, for some people, maybe coaching soccer would be one of their top priorities of a way they wanted to spend their spoons. But for me, it was like, no way. There's no way I'm spending my spoons like that because I, you know, it would affect my knees. It would affect my, you know, trigeminal neuralgia, which would affect my whole life. And I just can't, I can't do it. Um, I read a story on Facebook a few years ago and it was about a woman with MS and she was just talking about how, you know, we need to have more compassion and understanding of others and stuff. And she said there are days when her MS symptoms are flared up so badly that she has to be bedridden or in a wheelchair. And then there are other days when she can get by with a walker or a cane, but other days she can walk normally and, and act pretty normally. And, um, the problem with that is that she would still have to like park in the handicap spot on the days that she feels great and is walking normally because if she um were to overdo it on those days that she feels good then it would affect how she feels the next few days she might um end up bedridden the next day or something or for days on end or whatever and so she really has to be careful and on those days that she parks and is walking fine. She parks on the, in the handicap spot. She gets all kinds of stares and glares and mean, hateful comments from people that just don't get it. They don't understand. And so, um, you know, it really makes you stop and think about how sometimes we just don't know. Like we, we as people, our tendency and our like nature is to look at someone and we, what our eyes perceive is what our reality is. So we see somebody and they look normally look fine. We think, Oh, they're fine. They're good. Everything's great. But in reality, they're really struggling and suffering from something. Um, they have no control over their life. There's, you know, whatever the case may be. And so it's really, um, it was a really good thing for me to read because it, it helped my perspective even more. And I, I'm a lot more compassionate about people. And like sometimes, you know, I'll be with someone and they'll see somebody park a handicapped spot and they get out and just walk normally and stuff. And they'll say something about it. And then I'm like, Oh, but you know, <laughs> I read this story, you know, and it just helps to kind of, you know, understand others, I guess, to hear their, their perspectives and their stories. Um, I have a friend named Ginger and we worked together in, um, church it, with the kids group, the kids group, like we meet together in our church, 
Um, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And like, we'll meet together as the whole group, the whole family, you know, in our sacrament meeting. And then we branch out into our other groups. We, we, um, separate into our, our groups. So like the kids go to classes that are more, um, geared for their age ranges and that they call that primary and Ginger and I were working together in primary and we were, we were talking about, um, different people and their callings and things. The women's group in our church, the women's classes are called relief society. And then the men's is called, um, the priesthood, uh, groups. And so we, she was talking about how everybody's hundred percent looks different from somebody from other people's one hundred percent. And it really clicked with me. I was like, Oh my gosh, that is so true. And she was like, you know, one person, their hundred percent for a relief society lesson might be that you walk in the room and they have their little, you know, tablecloth and flowers and a picture of Jesus and, you know, some kind of special things sitting around to display, to add some, you know, to kind of get the feeling going in the room and they maybe make some homemade cookies or some, some kind of homemade treat for everybody. And then they carefully craft by hand a beautiful little handout for everyone to take home and they give their lesson and life is great. And then some, and that's their hundred percent. And then somebody else's 100% might be that they show up for the lesson and give it. They've prepared for it. They've, you know, done their job preparing for it. They actually show up. They give the lesson. It's wonderful. And they are done. And so, but that's their 100%. Like maybe either they just don't think like the other person because different personalities or maybe they have a chronic illness and this is their, their job, their, you know, job at church. And so that's the best they can do is to do this. You know, you just never know what, what, you know, makes us different, I guess. And would make one person's 100% be different than somebody else's hundred percent. Maybe they didn't have enough time to put all the extra effort into it or whatever. Um, but everyone is different. And each one of those offerings was great. It was perfect. And, um, like heavenly father looks at their offering as a beautiful thing. And he's not judging any, either one of them, you know, badly because of how they did theirs. But the person that gave their 100% and it was all flashy and stuff and like really detailed is more likely to maybe judge the person that didn't put all of that effort into it and be like, oh my gosh, they only did like 10% of their, of, you know, they only gave 10% because they're comparing it to their 100%. But in reality, they gave 100% it just kind of like clicked in my brain and was really such a neat analogy for me to think about. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that is so true. Um, we need to give each other a break and not put our, not project our expectations and our like abilities or whatever onto other people's and expect them to be like that. It's whatever they offered is great. Um, 
when I was preparing for this uh, podcast, I was thinking about a time when I went to the grocery store when I first was diagnosed with trigeminal neuralgia. And when I was first diagnosed, like I was in such bad shape. Like I was taking all these, um, I was trying to find a medication that was going to work for me. And you can't just take like pain medicine for it because it's a raw nerve in your head and it's excruciating. And you have to take something that's going to help a nerve. So like an anti-seizure medication or something very strong, very like makes you, for me, it made me just feel like a zombie. And I was kind of out of it and I was still in so much pain and I have typical and atypical trigeminal neuralgia. And so I have jolting, um, shooting pains as well as constant pain that never ends. That's so excruciating and just mind numbing. Having my microvascular decompression surgery, um, helped a lot. Like I'm functioning a lot better in my life than I, I was before the surgery And for that, I'm super grateful, but I still do have a lot of difficult, um, times and, you know, it just kind of comes and goes. It's still a raw nerve. They just put a cushion between the nerve and the blood vessel and artery that were touching each other that were causing, you know, them to really aggravate each other. And so, um, that nerve isn't being as aggravated constantly, but it's still, is a lot of pain. So anyway, um, when I first was diagnosed, Gracie was a year and a half and Max was like four and a half. And Max is crazy. I love Max, but he's a wild and crazy boy. And so I had to go to the grocery store and like getting up and getting ready to go to the grocery store, um, putting all, getting all dolled up so that I looked normal. Right. And then getting the kids all cute and dressed and their hair done, whatever, all ready. We go to the grocery store. I've spent a lot of my spoons already. Cause that was a lot for me to do. Cause I was in such a bad place. Cause like when you're in excruciating pain all the time, your whole body fills up. Like you're tensing up cause your head hurts so bad. And then like your whole entire body's like all tensed up and, and is like, you're so much energy is being put into just functioning normally. <clears throat> and it's just a, it's kind of a crazy anyway. So I'm at the store, finally get there, and I'm trying so hard to, like, focus through the pain on my list. I'm looking at my list, trying to focus on it, trying to deal with the two kids. While I'm trying to focus on it, I keep forgetting things, having to go back a line, an aisle, whatever. Every step I'm taking at this point, like, it's getting worse and worse, and I'm, like, getting more and more worn out, more and more tired, more and more, like, mentally, I'm I'm losing it. Like it's, it's getting harder and harder. Every step is starting to feel like I'm, you know, in quicksand. I weigh like, you know, each, each limb weighs like 20, you know, (laughs) pounds more than it did before or something. It's just like really struggling. So I finally get up to the check stand and I'm just like, I'm at the finish line. Hallelujah. I put my stuff up on the thing and I realize I'm out of milk. And you know, when you go to Walmart, the milk is at the very back of the store. So I asked the lady, can you please get somebody to get me some milk? You know, is there someone that you can call? And she's like, nope. And 
I've worked at Walmart since as a cashier, and I know there's a little button on your your screen that you can request somebody to do stuff like that, but she didn't. And I don't know if it's because she looked at me and, hey, I had my makeup on and I looked all cute and I looked normal. And so she just was thinking, look, you lazy lady, go get your own milk, you know, or what? I don't know. But um, I had to go to the back of the store and like, I am fighting back tears. This is so hard for me. I mean, looking at it now, I'm like, that's so crazy. Like even think about that, that that would be such a hard thing to go to the back of the store to get milk, like whatever. But at the time it was so hard. It was one of my hardest days like ever. So I get back there, I get my milk. I come up to the front. We check out, I go out of the car, I get the kids strapped in. I, um, I get my food in the car. I drive home. I'm bawling the whole way home because I just finally just, I lost it. I couldn't handle it anymore. I get home. I have to take everybody into the house. Then I have to take all the groceries and then I get to put it all away. And then, you know, by the end of this whole experience, I mean, I, my spoons are long gone. (laughs) I'm spent. I'm done. Um, and, but I used to like, say, go to the grocery store and I'd be like, Oh, hi, how are you? You know, to somebody and they might kind of not be super friendly or whatever. And I would really be offended. I'd be like, man, what did I do to them? Like, why aren't they being nice and friendly? Like, what the heck? Well, maybe they are in excruciating pain. Like there are a million different ways people are in pain or miserable or have illnesses or have, you know, any number of physical kind of problems that they're going through. Sometimes it's mental. Sometimes they're depressed or having lots of anxiety. Maybe they just had a miscarriage. I had three miscarriages. That sucks. Like maybe they, you know, are just, they're mourning a loss or, you know, just found out that they're not pregnant after years of trying to get pregnant and they found out they're not pregnant again. You know, you just never know. It could be that like when I worked as a cashier and I'd be like, Oh, how are you? You know, I was trying to be friendly or whatever. And sometimes people would be like, Oh, I just went to my sister's funeral or something. I mean, just the most heartbreaking things. And, and they just had to stop by to get ibuprofen because they had a headache from bawling. You know, I mean, like it's hard. People go through so much and you don't know what they're facing, what they're dealing with. And you look at people and you see with your perspective, with your eyes, they look normal and they look fine. And we just have to, I feel like learn to, to stop looking at everybody like that and thinking, you know, everybody has something going on in their heart. And, you know, most people do anyway. I don't know anybody that doesn't have something that they're dealing with. And we just need to be more compassionate and understanding and trying to see each other more like the Savior sees us. He loves us so much and he has so much compassion and so much um, grace And like, he is just so wonderful and we need to try to be that way towards each other more. Um, I, I feel like, um, 
the kinder that we are to others and the more that we serve each other, one way that we can serve each other in like one of the biggest ways ever is to show compassion towards each other and to just give each other a break and to realize that my 100% is different than your 100% and that is okay. And it's okay to say no to people about things. It's okay to be like, you know what? I know you don't understand why. And I'm sorry. I know you're going to judge me for it. And I know that that's, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. But all I can say is I can't do that. And I have a very, very, very good reason for it. And, and I can't, I just can't. Because when we force ourselves to go past the amount of spoons that we're able to actually do, it affects us so much. And we, we try in our lives to please everybody and we just can't, we have to, we have to prioritize those spoons. We have to prioritize, you know, what's most important. And sometimes that has to be saying, saying no, and we need to be more understanding of others when they say no. And they, they say, I just, I just can't need to be more kind and understanding about that. Um, and I'm right there needing to be, you know, I, I'm, I'm needing to be more compassionate and understanding of others. And I know that I'm grateful for the opportunity I have to have a different perspective, even though I hate having trigeminal neuralgia, I'm grateful for the things I've learned from having it. Um, I hope the next time you will join me as I explain um, what has what I've done that has uh, helped me have a tremendous improvement in my health in the last few months. Um, I'm excited to share that story with you guys, and I'll talk to y'all later.